Geez, how long has it been since we have since actually we've... like like a proper like sit down and, and record an episode about chapters from a book? How long has it been since we've done this? It's, I think it's been like two or three months now at this point, Jeff, honestly. Have we done a chapter episode since we were at LeakyCon? That was the beginning of no. August. No, it was like July. Dude, it's like more than two months. We've seen each other in person since the last time we recorded a proper episode. As I say, we've seen each other more than we've actually recorded an actual chapter episode (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Which is hard to do considering you live in Louisville, I live in Palace, and we're not really close in any capacity, like, location-wise. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I'm Jeff. And I'm Juliana. And this week we are finally back, ready to talk about another set of chapters from Six of Crows. And we are talking about chapters 12 and 13. Welcome back, listeners, after quite a hiatus that was partially unplanned of our chapter readings. I mean, so you know what? We're back. For, I, I think we have to take responsibility for some of it because life uh oh, yeah. it gets in the way. We're 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 mm-hmm. adults with jobs and other stuff. Some yeah. of us have babies on the way, so that probably had something to do with it. We we've traveled a lot. Yeah. Jeez, when I look back on how many conventions I've been to this year, I, I astound myself. With the amount of traveling that I have done this year. Because we saw each other live at LeakyCon. That episode is Mm -hmm. now thankfully posted. Since then, we also, uh, we we went to New England Wizard Fest. We did that. And then. Yes, we did. Between New England Wizard Fest and now, I went to Cincinnati with uh, the Inohoshi Maid Cafe that my wife and I work with. And we we did our show at Cincinnati Comic Expo. It went very, very well. It was it was nice. Cincinnati is not as far away from Louisville as I thought it was. Yeah, you know what else we got surprise. to do while we were there? Something I never done before. What? I went to the Dent Schoolhouse. Have you ever heard of that? No. What is that? It's a haunted house. I went to my first haunted house and I learned something about myself. I just needed, it's like so many other things that I've done in the past couple of years. I just needed to do it the first time. And now that Mm -hmm. I've done it once, I want to do all of them because we we Mm. went to the Dent Schoolhouse because they had no evening programming for Cincinnati Comic Expo. And apparently the Dent Schoolhouse is ranked by a lot of people as one of the top haunted attractions in the country. And I can see why, because it was terrifying the whole way through but it was so fun because have you ever been in a haunted house before yeah and i never want to go back in one ever again oh you didn't like ever. it oh no i do not like them at all i i've been in two and they scare the leaving hippies out of me and i care never to ever go in a haunted house ever again Please oh. thank you. Don't make me do it. <laughs> See, I, I figured out something just to, you know, give a little background information on Jeff here. Um, when I was a kid, 
like when I was, I, I don't know how old, I couldn't have been like older than seven or eight when this happened, but my dad tried to take us to a haunted woods and I just for no reason started freaking out right when we were about to go in and I just, I couldn't do it. And yeah. so we waited by the exit for them to pick us up and take us back to the parking lot. And my dad was upset because he spent money on the tickets that went to waste. My older brother was mm-hmm. mad at me because I was the reason he didn't get to go. And my younger brother yeah. was making fun of me because he was the youngest. So any excuse, you know, I mean, we, we took shots at each other, but for some reason, especially like I was the next mm-hmm. one up on the totem pole. So any shots he could take at me, he did it. And I can't blame him. We were kids, but I kind of realized while we were in line waiting for Dent Schoolhouse that this was me working through a thing that had happened. Mm -hmm. And once I worked through it, I realized these things are not only not as bad as I thought they were back then, they're actually fun. It's like role playing because they're in there, you know, acting the part of the people who are in the haunted house doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And you go through and you're the people who are supposed to be scared. So even if it's just startling, like jump scares, it's fun to act like you're just completely balls out terrified because then they're doing their job. You're doing their part. It's fun for everybody. See, I'm someone I would love to be someone who works in a haunted house. I don't want to be walking through the haunted house. Like I'm fine being the person who like jumps out and screams at people like I love we love Juliana loves to yell at people. And we have reinforced that over the weekend with me announcing the Cape Cod Marathon. I love to scream at people. But oh, I can totally see you being the person like a, an actor in a haunted house. I can totally oh, yeah. see you doing that, like coming up like because you also you love you love doing characters. You love dressing uh-huh. up. And I know you yep. love people. So if you yes. could just like hang out in your spot, maybe come out from around the corner and just startle people like I could see you having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I'd love to scare the living shit out of people. I just don't want other people to scare the living shit out of me, please and thank you. And honestly, that's fair, because I've learned... It's it's Halloween season, so I think it's appropriate for us to talk about this a little bit. I've learned yeah. that one of the things about haunted attractions is people always check to see whether or not the actors are allowed to touch you, which is which is very considerate you know, for them mm-hmm. to for them to look into that and for the haunted houses to be mindful of that, especially post-COVID. Um, I went to one the other night that's local oh. called American Horrorplex. It's actually run by some friends of mine, and they're part of an mm-hmm. organization called Haunters Against Hate, which is a network of haunted attractions that, you know, stand in solidarity with the LGBTQIA plus community. Obviously, you know, I'm very, very all about that. But yeah. with American Horrorplex, they actually give you an option about whether or not the actors are allowed to touch you physically and they don't touch you inappropriately. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not they are allowed to physically make contact with you while you go through mm-hmm. the attraction. If you say it's mm-hmm. okay, they give you a vest to wear so that the actors know, okay, I can make contact with this person. But if you're not wearing a vest, then the actors do not touch you. Yeah. I know there are haunted houses around here like that too, where you could like pay a little bit extra money and they'll like kind of interact with you via touching a little bit more, which is, I think it's a good thing to make that differentiation too, because like some people just don't want to be touched and that's completely valid and fair and within your rights as a human being to make that known. So I think that's a good thing. Now you said you, you did the Cape Cod marathon again, you did the announcing for that. Yes. I I'm, I'm training for New York city marathon currently. I also listeners, Hit me up if you know anything about Tokyo, because I just got an entry into the Tokyo Marathon. I loved when, you, when you sent me that. 
<laughs> first, of all, first of all, I am so proud of you for going for the Tokyo Marathon because I don't know anything about it compared to other marathons. But the fact that you're going for yet another marathon and that you're willing to travel internationally to do this is so admirable. So I'm so proud of you for that. But I just I I, I love that my response to you sending me that picture was, wait, like Tokyo, like in Japan? Like oh, yes. it could have Very possibly so been Japan. anywhere else. Yeah, Tokyo as in Tokyo, Antarctica, you know. Very, very popular vacation spot. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I just said I'm proud of you for traveling internationally, and I am, but don't go to Antarctica. Just please yeah. don't go to Antarctica. No, no, no. People people should not go to Antarctica to run marathons. I just don't think that they should. No, no, no. I'll be going to Tokyo, Japan, which I could actually go to a real maid cafe, Jeff, like an authentic Jap- japanese made cafe ooh, because i will be there in tokyo that would be insanely cool also if you go to tokyo for any reason so you know i will be jealous uh. of you my wife will be incredibly jealous of you because i have sworn that i will get us to japan one day for some reason but yeah if you do get to go to a maid cafe i would say i hope you will document the experience but that may be slightly limited because i know that with a lot of things like that sometimes they have very specific rules like the maid cafe that we have when we travel to conventions we have specific times and specific activities that people are allowed to document if they want to take pictures or video because some there there are some performances involved in that that Mm -hmm. people can take pictures of but for most of the time when you're in your session, we actually tell people they have to keep their phones hidden just because the possibility that somebody might abuse that and try to take pictures of some of the maids or the butlers that work in the cafe that are inappropriate, we we have to make sure that everybody who works in our cafe is protected. So if they allow you to take any kind of picture or video, please do. Yeah, I, I've been doing a, a good amount of research over the last week as to things that I can do and can't do. But it looks like for the most part, if I do go to a maid cafe, that they're not allowed to take pictures for in most of them, it seems like. So probably not any pictures from that. If I get to one, I won't. I'm also considering doing a live Mario Kart because you can rent out go-karts and on the street and they dress you up and you can do like live mario kart on the streets yeah there's a lot of things i want to do too and a traditional like tea service and things like that so there are a lot of things that i would like to partake in while i'm there but yeah and i announced the cape cod marathon this weekend ran my 19 miles peeled off came back announced for like four or five hours it was the best thing. Shout out to our friend Aurora, who finished her first marathon, and my sister Aurora, Katie, who finished her first marathon. She ran a marathon. She trained so yeah. hard for that, and she was documenting it on Instagram. It was one of, mm-hmm. it was so sweet. It was so inspirational to see her documenting her journey training for the marathon. So we are so proud of our friend Aurora. Yeah, she did a great job, and I got to give her a big, big hug at the end, and it was very nice. So, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. But uh, I guess we should get into... The news from the front, Jeff. Woo! News! News. Could I do the first one? Because this was so exciting. Uh, do we have more than one piece of news? I thought we only had... Oh, uh... We've got like three things. I, I added oh, two okay. things. They're, they're, okay, they're, yeah. they're, they're important things. I think they count. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. 
Okay, so my Instagram started blowing up and I couldn't figure out why because all these accounts I didn't recognize were liking a picture of mine. And usually that kind of thing freaks me out because it means that I'm getting spammed or I'm getting trolled or just something. But when mm-hmm. I checked the picture that they were liking, it was a picture of Juliana and I in our keftas from Spinner's Court when we were at LeakyCon doing our live mm-hmm. panel. And I said, wait a minute. So I I had Mm -hmm. a hunch, and I checked Lee Bardugo's Instagram story, and sure enough, she was on this huge kick of, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just the one day or if she did it for several days, but she was going through, and she must have just been looking up things that she was tagged in, because her Instagram story was flooded with cosplays and fan art Mm -hmm. and posts from all these different people that were all Grishaverse-related. So pictures of Juliana and I. In our captures yes. from Spinner's yes. Court got shared yes. to Lee Bardugo's Instagram story. And yeah. it was just, I mean, it's not about the number of people who liked the picture. And it's not oh, about no, no, whether no. or not people started following me after that. It's just the fact that we tagged Lee in something and she took the time to put it on her own Instagram story because she could have just said, oh, well, that's nice, and moved on. But no, she acknowledged us as fans by putting us in her Instagram story. And it just, honestly, I I think it might have been better than the story that I've told about um, how I uh, got reposted by her on Twitter with my drags tattoo, although that's still, that's a wonderful memory when that happened. But Mm -hmm. just because now, I mean, she's she's seen us. She's seen what we look like. And I like to think, since we also tagged our podcast, that she maybe flagged that for later and said, hmm. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Maybe she heard about us from... From one of our other episodes where we had Ante on. Maybe Ante was like, hey, 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 you should listen to my episode where I was on Into the Fold. And she was like, oh, boy. Okay, maybe I will. You know, Uh, I didn't think of that. But the episode with Ante has gone live between when we took that picture and when she reposted it. So maybe Ante did tell her. Hmm? You never know. You never know. But it was a big moment in podcasting and Jeff and I's history where Leah Bardugo actively knows that we exist. So... That is a step in the right direction. We love to see it. We love to hear it. We love to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. And even even if that's it, even if we still, I'm still manifesting that we will get to meet her face to face, possibly have her on the show for an interview would Uh be lovely. But even if those things did not happen, just that moment of her briefly acknowledging and and showing us appreciation by putting us in her Instagram story, just I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, me too. That was definitely a really cool thing to happen to us. But in other news, Jeff, we also have our little reaction that we'd like to make to Lee's book, The Familiar, which is going to be a historical fiction, and it looks like it's going to be dark and magical and really cool, and we can just share our brief reactions to that. I mean, for me personally... I'm just excited. We know Lee is a fabulous storyteller and also is great at writing like dark fiction. And I'm here for it 100%. I can't wait to read it. I already have it on pre-order. So don't you worry. I will be reading it as soon as it comes out. What do you think, Jeff? 
I for, yeah. First of all, we we did we did say we were going to record a separate thing so that we can break down our thoughts a little bit more, and we're going to. We had mm-hmm. intended to have that out by now, but as you guys could tell from the top of the episode, we've had a lot going on recently, so we apologize yeah, that busy. we haven't released that yet. We're going to because we still have mm-hmm. quite a while between now and when that book comes out because I think it comes out in April of next year, right? Yeah, we have we have a lot of time, so we'll we'll get an episode out about our reactions to all and we'll probably get some more details between then and now i assume as well too so we might wait until we have maybe another little preview post maybe another little small because lee's good about like giving out either like the little excerpt that ends up being on the back of her book or like sometimes even full chapters like with hellbent i remember how i got that full like 10 page 10 chapter preview for that so she seems to be pretty good at putting out a little bit more content before the book actually comes out so i'm sure we'll get some kind of little snippet in some capacity be it a paragraph be it a couple of chapters and we can probably time our reaction around that i would imagine to kind of give at least some reaction to first the news that we're getting Mm -hmm. a new book is Mm -hmm. fantastic the fact that it's romantic and it's based on something that happened in history, but it's mm-hmm. not just a retelling of history. I love when people do that. I love when people yeah. do, I believe it's called a counterfactual. It's when people talk about a thing that really happened and it involves real people, but it's an alternate retelling of the story. Yeah. And it, so it's, it's based off true events. Yeah. So she's she's working with people who genuinely existed in history, but we know what kind of story that Lee can tell. We know it's probably mm-hmm. gonna be dark and a little bit sexy, or a yeah. lot bit sexy, depending on the characters that she yeah. puts in the story. So I expect that it's going to be something that once I start reading. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to be like, hold my calls. Or, yeah. you know well, what? By that point, that book comes out in April of next year. By then, my son will be four months old. So he's probably going to be mm-hmm. fussing. His sleep schedule is probably going to be all over the place. So I'm probably just going to make sure that anytime my wife and I aren't spending time with our son, like my mm-hmm. earbuds are in, I'm rocking him, I'm feeding him, yep. I'm changing him, whatever. But I'm probably going to be on that book until it's done. Yeah, I mean, same. We were kind of the same way about Hellbent, where you and I pretty much read that book over a two-day span, which it's not a short book in any capacity either. Like, the audiobook was, like, 20 hours long, so it's not like we were just blazing through a one-hour audiobook. You and I really just hit the pavement hard on that one, so... Well, yeah, because we've talked about how Lee Partico creates character-driven novels. It's not just the situation, it's the people whose stories you're reading. She makes them care. Mm-hmm. She makes you mm-hmm. care about them, and yeah. you just you gotta know what's gonna happen to them next. Even if you think yep. you know, even if you're even if you're right, you just you gotta take that trip with them because you can't put it down until you're done. Yeah, it's just very riveting. She's a great writer, and we're both really excited to see what happens with her new book. So, yay to that! 
And we did also have one other little piece of news, Jeff. And what is that? Um, our dear friend, Kendra Dantes, we've we've shouted her out on the show before. We love Kendra. She's a very, very talented musician who's doing great mm-hmm. things. And she has a new song out called Hide and Seek. It is spooky and just so well crafted, like everything else she does. And we mm-hmm. want everybody to pause this show, go listen to it, come back. Okay, now hang on a second. Welcome back, listeners. See, wasn't that a great song? I told you it was great. I, I told you it was yeah, worth pausing nice our song. show to go listen to. So there we go. Yeah. When last we left our heroes, things were just really starting to blow up. So now it's interesting that this is the part where we start getting backstories because mm-hmm. things are still kind of blowing up. We're we're, 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 we're we're transitioning into the end of the blowing up phase of the beginning of the mission. And now we're at the point where people are getting stabbed. And they may or may not be about to die. So this is probably a good Eh. time for us to say, hey, you know what? We should probably find out how we got here because just in case we don't make it all the way to the job, it's important for everybody (laughs) to have their backstory. Yeah, just just in case someone dies, at least you know how they got here. Yes, so life lesson, if you are about to be stabbed, make sure that your backstory has been firmly planted. Yeah, make sure you write that memoir, and then you can pass away. Yes, That's don't it. get stabbed until your backstory has been thoroughly told, which actually kind of, you know what? We're sitting here kind of joking about it, but at the same time, yeah. I think it's 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 pretty clear this is not the moment these characters are going to die, because otherwise, what, what did we set all this up for? So we know, yeah. as the readers, they are not going to die. But Inej is accepting in this chapter that this might be it. They, she might yeah. she might die before they make it out of the harbor. Yeah, it's definitely kind of sad to even think that we would lose an edge this early because we've just like we said just getting to know her. I love an edge. You love an edge. She's a great character. She really brings a lot to the story, and it's interesting to hear her backstory and hear like kind of what she also brings to the dregs and why she was even brought in really. And how that came around and how, like, everyone in this book, more or less, has a pretty traumatic backstory. And we're just getting that fed to us one piece at a time. And just getting a little bit more information. Because we know that Inej came from the menagerie. We know that she has a history of sexual abuse. We know that she was taken away from her parents. But now we're learning, hey, this is how she met Kaz. We know that because we've read these books several times. But if this is your first time reading this book, you don't have all that yet. And this is is the way that Lee gives you information. She doesn't just say, hey, here's the flashback chapter. Or let's Mm -hmm. go chronologically and set these characters up as people so that you know exactly where all of this is headed. No, we mm-hmm. only know that she was with Tanta Helene. She is the worst, the absolute yes. worst. We know that she came from somewhere else. And we know that Kaz was the one who got her out of it. We still haven't gotten the official like breakdown of the horrible, 
horrible things that they did to her in that place or how she got there or even how Kaz Brecker managed to get her out of it exactly. Yeah. We just yeah. know that this this is how we're going to get backstories on all these characters. You're not going to get the whole thing in one go. She doesn't do that with Inej, Kaz, Matthias, Nina, none mm-hmm. of these characters that you get the backstory on in this book. She's going to weave it in and out of all of this chaos. And this is a hell of a moment for you to start getting a little dose of here are the horrible things that happened to Inej before. Because guess what? She's about to probably get stabbed. And then she definitely gets stabbed by an idiot. Yeah, by a loser, pretty much. He is so proud of the fact that he thinks he's about to kill the Wraith. Just is this this is part of the macho tough guy gangster attitude that most enforcers like this guy from the black tips probably have they have to come in with this kind of energy because it's expected of them in their line of work and he's probably some macho super masculine dude who thinks that because he's big and strong that that makes him valuable but he Mm -hmm. really does not take the time to know his enemy he got paid to do a job he went in to do the job but it never occurred to him oh by the way um this is kaz brecker and he has a reputation but guess what bubba you don't have a reputation this dude is going to just completely rip you to pieces yeah literally yeah he okay he has no idea what he's getting into and that is made abundantly clear as we will get into in the next chapter (laughs) but it just uh, it makes me so annoyed at people that are like this guy what is his name again uh Uman. 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 That's right. Yeah, Uman. I mean, he. It's, I mean, I'm not going to bother remembering his name any more than that because this guy literally is just in these two chapters, and that's the, the end. He's pretty much working as a mouthpiece for for uh, Pekka Roland, says we'll learn more in the next chapter. But it just annoys the living shiitake mushrooms out of me that these stupid men think that they are just like so they they got this they can get this they're, they're just so great and they're gonna try and kill the wraith they're gonna try and kill an ash and just no no you have no idea what she's capable of you don't and don't do that because now you're just screwing yourself over because you they have no idea what an edge means to kaz brecker because kaz also is as we know keeping his cards close to his chest more Inej or less his- doesn't know what she means to kaz brecker yeah, he keeps his charts real close to his chest, like literally like to the point where he has probably super glued them to his chest. So you cannot read them unless you rip them off. No, you know uh, what? He probably melted wax onto them and now they're fused into his chest because that yes. way, because glue is not painful. Everything he does mm. to remind himself of anything is painful. Yep. His memories yep. are painful. His leg is painful. Everything he does is pain because he has to force himself physically and emotionally to feel pain in order to stay motivated because that's what he means when he says he was born and bred in the barrel because everything yeah. he has been through since he set foot in the barrel has been pain. Yeah. And he wants to just keep reminding himself and almost like humbling himself in a weird way that he is a human and he has to work for what he has and i don't know it's just an odd an odd thing and kind of just puts kaz in a mass would it be masochist someone who's like masochistic behavior yeah 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. See, yeah. masochism is, you know, when you inflict pain on yourself, which it, it it's it's probably debatable whether he does that to himself because Kaz's attitude and and here it's they're in the middle of this huge fight. They just almost got blown up. They're barely making it out of the harbor. And in the next chapter, he's going to find out some very, very troubling information. And yet he's still, he's still super quippy, super clever because Inej thinks she's about to die and he says mm-hmm. I'll do my best to make other arrangements for you see he's still even even with the one person on this earth that he actually feels anything like love for he's mm-hmm. he's trying to make sure that she knows this isn't it nothing is changing it's business as usual everything is not fine but as fine as it ever gets yeah yeah and he's just He's just Casbrecker, and every word that this man says just has so much weight to it and is so calculated, and every move that he makes is so calculated. Again, we'll talk about this more in the next chapter, but yeah, it is very, very stupid of Uman to come after Inej with, from our perspective, knowing how much Kaz cares about her at a baseline. And the, the dichotomy of these two characters, because with Kaz, even in the moments where we're inside his head and he's narrating the chapter, it's pretty clear he makes no qualms about killing people he has to kill. And there is mm-hmm. no mention of him feeling bad about having to kill people because he's just he, he's born and bred in the barrel. He's accepted that life mm-hmm. is war. Life is pain. Life is death. You have to kill people mm-hmm. in order to survive and get business done. So he doesn't go out seeking to kill people, but he's obviously accepted that this is, you know, part of how the world works. Whereas within Nej, we're just now starting to get her backstory, but even before that, it's pretty clear if she has to kill somebody, she'll kill somebody. But unlike Kaz, she feels bad about it. She prays for yeah. forgiveness. She doesn't want to kill, but she does. Yeah, she's definitely going through much more of a moral turmoil than Kaz is around being violent, killing people. And like you said, she'll do it if she has to. But she's also the person who kills someone and then prays for them. Yeah. <laughs> right afterwards. And I, I also, I, the bravery that it takes, because again, these are teenagers, most of mm-hmm. them. It, it, yeah. They're, they're just getting into legally adulthood. I don't know where their, where their line is on that. You know, being Harry Potter fans, we know that they come of age at 17 most people i think still consider 18 to be adult age even though here in the united states a lot of things that used to be 18 and up have now become 21 and up so some people are debating exactly what constitutes an adult person but even so this would be a lot for anybody to handle let alone people who are so young and just the way that Inej and Kaz and all of these characters, they they have to grow up so quickly. And yeah. it's all for, for some of them, it's been different reasons. It's been responsibility or it's been survival or it's just been out of pure spite in Kaz's case. 
Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of them, it is mostly based, like, a largely based on just survival. Because as we already have learned, like, living day to day in the barrel isn't easy. No, it <laughs> and isn't. Your your life is constantly on the line, whether you like it or not. So I think a lot of it comes from a necessity to just stay alive to the next day. And yeah, it definitely is interesting to hear the different characters' perspectives on why they stay alive each day and how they make do. And just again, in this chapter, how Inej and Kaz came to meet and what their kind of odd relationship is right now that's kind of transactional but also kind of not but also Kaz is kind of trying to keep it on the transactional side even though he doesn't really want it to be on the transactional side of things he's like trying to keep it business as usual you know like oh I freed you and I'm you like I paid your debt and stuff like that so you're with me but I want you around because I secretly love you but you know business money stuff that kind of thing. The thing that stands out in this chapter when thinking about how much bravery it takes to do all of this is that the fact that Inej even took the risk of telling Kaz, I can help you while she mm-hmm. was still at the menagerie. That's just, that's mm-hmm. part of, you know, us flashing back to that moment with her being at the menagerie is knowing who Kaz is and how he does some of the things that he does just based on the rumor mill that's constantly churning around him. The fact that she Mm -hmm. even, it was risky for her to offer help to anyone to try to get out from underneath Tanta Helene. Yeah. It definitely is a pretty big risk for her to even just, yeah, like you said, reach out to anyone to just say, Hey, I need help. Help me out here. I'm trapped this is bad i mean bad it time. is it is very if if it ha- if she's going to do it she did it in the right way because she at mm-hmm. least knows better even in that scenario than to try to appeal to his better nature she doesn't try mm-hmm. to seduce him because she is observant enough that she knows that's not going to work with this guy. This guy deals in information and it's the only reason he comes here because he never accepts favors or company from any of the girls who work here nobody knows what his deal is in terms of what turns him on because Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to be a thing with him either but yeah he does deal in information and she's good at getting it yes she's very good at obtaining information which is what makes her super useful and super like appealing to have on his side to Kaz and that's what she means by she can help is that she can retrieve the information that Kaz has a need for and I can't remember exactly what the quote is but something about like secrets are worth more when they're when you keep them oh uh, secrets aren't like coin they don't keep their value in the spending yes yeah that's one of my favorite quotes from the entire series that's that's uh, quote that I have whipped out on on many occasions from the series. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think, I'm not sure, but I think she might be the only person who tries, yeah, she's the only person who tries to appeal to Kaz in this way. She's the only person who says, hey, I need you to get me out of this thing that I'm in. I can get you information. Nina 
tries to reach out to Kaz just to get Matthias out of prison. But she tries appealing to his better nature because Nina's the kind of person who I think believes that there is at least some good in everybody. Matthias yeah. doesn't want anything to do with Kaz Brecker because he thinks he's a demon. Jesper, yeah. I don't think Jesper would have ever tried to ask Kaz to help him with a favor. Yeah, I know that not. Wylan only got brought into the whole thing because Jesper saw him first. Kaz brings him in eventually. We'll get to that. But Inej is the only person who goes to Kaz and says, hey, I'm in this thing. I need you to get me out of this thing. I know what you want. I can get you the thing. Yeah. Business. Yeah. Business. But also Kaz he thinks she's pretty, business. which she is. Yeah. But he's not going to admit that's part of it. He's never going to admit that's part of it. Yeah. No, Kaz is a very secretive human being, and that much we have already gathered. Speaking of Kaz, are, are, yeah. have, did we miss anything? I don't think we no, missed anything. I think anything. we're going to move on to the next it. chapter. Speaking of Kaz, you know what? I, I just want to... There's, there's stuff in this chapter, but I want to jump to this thing, because I okay. love talking about this thing. Uh, okay. The part where he pops out his eyeball. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it so much. And you know what? I don't know why, because it's gross. But you know what? Yeah. They better let Freddie Carter pop somebody's eye out when they get to this moment in the oh, Netflix I so. series. I just, I want to, I want to see him do it. Well, and the thing is, too, it's not just like I feel like I, I was thinking back to other places where i've seen people pop all their eye people's eye out i think of like pirates of the caribbean which is much more of a just kind of like slapdash like i'm popping your eye out kind of situation is kind of goofy in a way almost kaz brecker is so calculated with each one of his moves that he makes that it's just like a fine piece of art almost <laughs> in the way that he pops Uman's eyes out exactly because how many times have we seen the situation where someone points a gun at somebody and they cock the gun and they say i'm gonna count to three if you don't tell me what you what i want to know mm. or do what i want you to do then i'm gonna shoot you and it's up it, it's a toss-up whether or not they mean it kaz just yeah. gets right to it he pops this dude's eyeball out and says now oh, yeah. you've got two choices we can drop you off at the hospital with enough money to get fixed up and you can have a cool ass eye patch for the rest of your life or mm -hmm. i can throw you overboard and you can die and all he wants to know is why were the black tips involved in this because everybody knows that the black tips may be a gang that has enough to exist they've got their turf mm -hmm. they've got their business ventures but they don't have any money they don't yeah. have the resources to come out and try to stop Kaz and the gang from getting out of the harbor. Can you say the harbor yeah. for me the way somebody from... Haba. Ha Thank you. I can't do that. I'm not going to try. The Kaz the Haba. Thank you. Yes. So they tried to get out of there. And Kaz just wants to know, why did this happen the way that it did? Because he knows the black tips aren't just going to randomly show up and say, hey, they're trying to get out of the, the harbor. Get them. Get out of the harbor. Thank you. Get my get out of the harbor. I, I enjoy when you do that, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was any other words I could pair with it, but like boat, you just say like boat, the boat in the harbor. You wouldn't really say anything else about it. I mean, they could uh, walk the plank. You could talk plank, about no. where they park the boat. Yeah, park the boat in the harbor. You know, they can go to Duncan's, 
You'll go to the Packy, go around the Rotary a few times, and take a sip of the bubbler. It's so fun. It's so fun. You know, I, I love you know. when you do that. It's so fun. <laughs> so anyway, so pops the eyeball out of the dude's head, wants to know how did all of this happen. And mm-hmm. as soon as he says Pekka Rollins, it's like the whole, even, even though the audiobook narrator is still going, your eyes might still be moving across the page, but it's like for a second, time just Everything completely freezes. stops. And Kaz yep. starts to feel like, okay, we are Odalite Udsgrade. I'm dead. You're dead. We're all dead. This is this is the end. The absolute worst case scenario because yep. Pekka Rollins is now involved in this whole thing, which means mm-hmm. we've been screwed from the beginning. Yep, yep. That's kind of exactly what happens too. And I definitely felt that within the narration of the audiobook when I was listening last night. That, and we get a reaction. I believe it's from Jesper. Who also is like, oh shit, pretty much. Yeah, and that's Jesper. Yeah, it's just the whole world stops for a minute, and we all realize, oh no, this bad, this a bad thing. Very, this, this real bad. Very bad. Because Pekka Rollins, we it, this is yet another story that we get woven all throughout the book. Is Caps mm-hmm. Brecker's journey like through enemy. getting completely taken advantage of by Kaz Brecker, not by Kaz Brecker, sorry, by Pekka Rollins, Pekka. and just basing his whole identity around the thirst for vengeance against mm-hmm. this guy. Because he doesn't just mm-hmm. want to kill him. That's not going to satisfy him. Oh, no, no, no. It's the way that he wants to go about doing it. Yeah, he wants to make sure that Pekka Rollins suffered in the way that he has suffered because of Jordy and because, which we don't really know too much about at this point, but we know, we Kaz mentions this in this chapter, um, that's part of the equation. And also because Kaz feels like most of his suffering is due to the actions that Pekka Rollins has made over X number of years leading up to this point. And he just he wants this guy dead like this guy should be dead and that's kind of the end of it like he just wants this guy to be dead and he wants him to die in the most egregious way physically possible yeah and we've drawn out i mean he just popped a dude's eyeball out for information he got the information and i i think some people might still be in disagreement about this Um, some people, I'm one of these people. I firmly believe that when he popped this dude's eyeball out, he was going to throw him overboard. I really think he was going to. Because if he hadn't done it because he said the name Pekka Rollins, it would have probably been because he, um, it, it probably would have been because he just wouldn't have wanted this dude constantly whining about the eyeball he popped out of his head. Yeah, it's just, well, and I, I mean, I don't really know. I guess we have the healers who are Grishas who could probably help him out. But I mean, wouldn't you like bleed out or have other issues? I feel like you've, you've reached a point of permanent damage on your eyes and everything before you were able to reach a healer anyway. The odds that this guy gets back to a healer and is fine are pretty low, I think, at a baseline, given what Kaz has done. You know, actually, now that you mention it, I had a note in here about how it's a good thing they brought Nina because even though Nina says she's not a she's not a real healer, I'm like, honey, there are no real healers. 
They yeah. they don't uh, people don't aspire to that. You have about as much healing training as your average corporal mm-hmm. guy probably does. So yeah. it's you're as much a healer as anybody. Don't sell yourself short. But they, I, I I was forgetting for a moment. I think they do have Nina, and having Nina yeah. as a healer is better than nothing. So she probably would have been able. Like maybe he once once she took care of the crew, and they knew for sure that Inej say was not going to die then that probably yeah. would have been her task would be making sure that captain eyeball is uh-huh. you know at least kept sedated so that he doesn't bitch about his eye before they drop him off so actually no maybe not it could it could i mean it just also depends too if nino actually wants to do anything i mean i'm sure if kaz kind of peer pressured her into it she would do it you know but I have a feeling Nina would be like, no, just let that guy die. Like, screw it. <laughs> Nina's got a bit. I mean, I know that he's from a rival gang. He just tried to kill her friend. I get that she might want to let him die. But at the same time, I also feel like her compassion might kick in just strong enough to say, OK, at the very least, if I sedate this guy by keeping his heart rate low enough that he passes out, but not so low that he dies, then at least mm-hmm. he'll stay quiet. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the thing that would make Nina not want to help him is the fact that he just attacked Inej. And, like, it, she really loves Inej. On the, on, if if we're ranking, like, it, you know what? We should probably, at some point, this would be a fun activity for mm-hmm. us to do. We should rank mm-hmm. the likelihood that you will die at the hands of a certain character. Like, Ooh, okay. Kaz Brecker would probably be close to the top of the list because he, yeah. I mean, he, he has the least hang-ups about somebody dying yeah he just he he has most most firmly accepted yeah he knows he's who he wants to kill and that's fine he's chill with it yeah he probably has the most bodies to his name inej Mm -hmm. will only kill if it's necessary and she'll feel bad about it nina is a soldier so she understands that you know you're a soldier you go to war sometimes war involves death and it may not be your favorite part of the job but it's it's a part of it matthias mm-hmm. I, I this is why in the next book i was so uh, so excited about getting his backstory because i wanted to know i know that he's a uh, druskella i know that he yep. has been trained his 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 killing has been kind of specific i feel like mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like his his training as far as who he would kill is is very, very other, very xenophobically motivated by all the religious and patriarchal hate that he has been taught his entire life. Yeah. And then Jesper, he's a sharpshooter, but I don't know that he would necessarily want to kill people. He just, you know, yeah. he, he shoots to get the job done. It's more, I think, about being flashy and impressive than causing actual death or destruction. Yeah, I can agree with you about Jesper on that one. He's more or less just in the camp of like, one, like protecting his friends and the other people in the dregs, and two, making sure he lives, and three, looking good doing it. Exactly. Always, always worried about looking good doing it. Yes. And then at the very exactly. bottom of the list of people who are likely to kill you, you have my precious baby puppy boy, Wylan, who wouldn't hurt anybody because he's just the sweetest kid. Yeah, he's the best. We love Wylan for how cute he is. Yes, we love Wylan so much. We just want to give him a plate of biscuits and a cup of cocoa mm-hmm. and a warm blanket and just tell him that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love, and Wyland being present in this gang, I feel so bad for him for all of the things that he is enduring, but at the same time, I also just, I love that he's here because it would be so, I, I, I have, especially now that I'm about to be a parent, I have this nurturing mm-hmm. side to me and it would probably get kind of lost in this group mm-hmm. of people if we didn't have our precious baby puppy boy Wyland here to constantly make us go, aw. <laughs> Yeah, we need that little bit of uh, sweetness to counteract all the sassy and darkness that we get here in the books. Now, I don't want to be a jerk about this. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very brief mention because in these two chapters, there are characters that you lose track of because you got Uh Inej doing her thing, Kaz doing his thing. Nina gets a couple of lines. Jesper gets like one or two lines. You don't see Wyland at all, hardly, except for the part where he says, we got ambushed. Kaz is like, really? All those fancy tutors and that expensive education and that's all you got? We got ambushed? Uh, that's boy. that's funny also don't pick on my puppy boy leave him alone you jerk yeah, but the part be. that really made me laugh we get like no matthias in these chapters at all which will change we're gonna yeah, get a lot much. of matthias in the next couple chapters but <laughs> he gets on the ship and he's throwing up which is yeah pretty hilarious because yeah for a guy who's pretty like macho, macho and like nothing can defeat me i am a Triskela. yeah like, to have him just like vomiting everywhere it's like oh, okay my friend maybe you're not invincible bro you were a slaver okay you survived hellgate okay you were bred to be a a mercenary of religiously motivated xenophobic destruction and the thing mm-hmm. that gets you is you're seasick <laughs> yeah it's like you get that your job is basically going to involve travel on the high seas your whole life you get that right mm-hmm. you you just yeah. get get yeah. this 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 great big meat mountain of complex unprocessed emotions and bro rage just get him some dramamine because if this is his breaking point they just got on the boat and he's already throwing up then they got to do something for this dude because if he can't handle the boat then he's just he's useless yep 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 Oh, Matthias. Oh, Matthias. Oh, Matthias. Oh, I can't wait until we get into the next couple. These these chapters are brief, but is clearly there's a lot to unpack here. The next couple of chapters, I mean, I called I called Matthias a meat mountain, which he is. He's a great big giant yeah. mountain of of meat and masculinity and just oh my god, he's so handsome in the show. My goodness. But yeah, he's this, a handsome dude. These next couple of chapters are going to be full of substance. Yes. For anybody who listens to the audiobook, each of the chapters that we just discussed, one is like 11 minutes and some change, the other is 12 minutes and some change. One of the mm-hmm. next chapters in the episode that's going to follow this one is like a half hour long. Yeah, so we have a little bit more listening to do next time. So Cause the next, plan ahead. Yeah, plan ahead. So since we haven't been back doing our usual thing for a while, I thought it would be good if we 
did one of our classic games that we've always done on the show, but then I had another idea, because on my YouTube feed, I don't know why, but it's been trying to get me to watch a lot of those BuzzFeed auto-generated interviews. You've seen those, right? Mm-hmm. So it, if anybody hasn't seen them, they'll have a celebrity who's being interviewed, like, say, Dan Radcliffe, and they'll hand him a board with questions that have been auto-generated with a search engine that all start the same way. Like, does Daniel Radcliffe, and then he'll peel them off one at a time and he'll answer them. And they might be, you know, usual things like, does Daniel Radcliffe have a wife? Does Daniel Radcliffe live in America? Or it might be fun things like, does Daniel Radcliffe ever get to use his natural accent in a film? You know, that, that kind of thing. So I thought it would be fun if we did something like that with the characters in these books. So this is a game that I call Autocomplete the Character. And since we talked a lot about Kaz Brecker today, I thought we would start with Kaz Brecker. Sounds good to me. Let's get rocking and rolling. What, what, what has happened with Kaz Brecker? What do we want to know about him? Well, I opened up Google and I just typed in, is Kaz Brecker? And then these are some of the the most interesting options from what got auto-generated. Starting with, is Kaz Brecker a villain? I would say to Ooh. some people, yes. But to us, no. Because they're, they're really loose with what is a hero, what is a villain. That's, I think, one of the themes of these stories. But mm-hmm. to us, I would say no. Yeah, I would say from our perspective in the books and how we feel about the characters, I would say he is not the villain of this situation. He's definitely not the villain of his own story, but he is comfortable with other people seeing him as the villain because it adds to Mm. his mystique and his power. Yes, agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Second question. Is Kaz Brecker asexual? I mean, I think he is. I would say, I would say, just because you can tell, at this point in the book, if if I had nothing else to go off of, I would say probably yes, because he doesn't seem in any way motivated by desires or attractions, but it's obvious there is an emotional connection with Inej that he has never had with anyone else, and when we get later into the series, we see that there is underneath everything else he's been through, there's this desire to be close to Inej, but it's because it's her. It's not because she's a woman or because she's Suli or because she has a certain body type. It's because it's her. So I would say he reads as a demisexual character with a tremendous Mm. amount of trauma that keeps him from being able to Mm. just express how he feels. Yeah, I can I can get behind that too. I, I like that description. And I think the more we get into the books, the more people are gonna see that other side of him too. So agreed, Jeff. Agreed. Now this one is Kazbrecker a Grisha. I was trying to remember Ooh. with this one, did I ever entertain that notion that he was a Grisha? I don't think I, I don't did. Know. Because we no, spent. I don't think we, so. Well, the first time I read this book, you know, trying to remember as well, I was one of those people who not only did I not read the Shadow and Bone books before I got mm-hmm. to Six of Crows, I didn't know they were a thing until after I had read Six of Crows. So I don't know that I ever even entertained the possibility that he might be a Grisha. So what I'm trying to ask myself is, could I see how somebody might think that he was 
a Grisha. Yeah, I mean, I if don't... you started from the beginning of the book series, it would kind of make sense that you would question if he was a Grisha or not, I think. But, I mean, nothing he's done up to this point makes me think he is, even if I wasn't aware that he's not. Yeah, n- I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I'd thought about it from the beginning, I would have thought no, because even though Kaz mm-hmm. Brecker keeps a lot of stuff to himself, we do get a lot of internal Kaz. So mm-hmm. at some point... He may not have expressed it to the other characters, but he would have expressed it or shown it in the narrative, and we would have yeah. probably seen some sign of it. So I, I don't think I ever would have thought he would be a Grisha. Yeah, no, I think I think he's not really shown any real tale telltales that it's it's something he has in his back pocket. But you know, some people might be questioning it. You never know. Number four, is Kaz Brecker a virgin? Oh, big time. Oh, that, why is that a question? I, like, I, that's... I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it was, I think yeah. this question might have been born out of just the fact that even though the characters, again, are quite young in this series, Kaz Brecker, mm-hmm. I can see how a lot of people would consider Kaz Brecker a total hottie. And I think that mm-hmm. on some level, people just assume oh, someone is a total hottie. And then you cast a devastatingly handsome actor like Freddie Carter to play him in the series. And some people, this is not quite fair, but I do see how this is people's default setting. People think, oh, he is hot. He could get somebody to be his partner sexually if he wanted. They might even be thinking to themselves, especially seeing Freddie, I wouldn't mind, you know, if he wanted to take me home. But Mm -hmm. I think because people assume someone is attractive, that automatically means they are sexually active or would like to be. But when when we start unpacking Kaz Brecker, we see that even if he didn't have all of this trauma that prevents him from being able to express his emotions or any desires he might be feeling he's got more important things on his mind than getting laid that's not something that's on his list yeah yeah i think i i'm agreeing with you a lot of it is the fact that freddie carter's hot and people are like "Eh." and unfortunately my friends freddie carter he's married so I wouldn't call that oh, unfortunate. Well. I think it's great that he's got somebody because that's a oh, lesson no, that's that I will him. admit when I was as young as these characters, that was a lesson I had to learn just because a person is attractive to you or because a person is objectively attractive or conventionally attractive. That doesn't mean that they want to be sexually active because that's part of mm-hmm. the spectrum. And it's a part, unfortunately, of the LGBTQIA plus you know, community, the spectrum of sexuality that gets neglected and not often talked about is people don't necessarily want to express their love physically and they can look like anything to other people. That doesn't necessarily factor into it at all. Yes, as a demisexual person, Jeff, I will say that yes, we are very much so forgotten. Not not known about, more or less. Not here. Not in this house. Eh? Not eh? today, Satan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Don't not take today. My soul today. And number five. <laughs> Is Kaz Brecker an anti-hero? Ooh. Huge I would say yes. yes. Definitely yeah. yes. 
absolute yeah. one like not only is he an anti-hero he's, he's the like anti-hero. he's the anti-hero to me for a lot of people anti-heroes are people like deadpool or the punisher they're they're people whose moral compass is very very far off from folks like captain america or batman mm. who don't kill if they can help it it just is yes he is the anti-hero to me because he is he's out there he's doing dirt he's doing crime he is wiping human lives off the face of the planet but is he wiping objectively good human lives off the planet no no is he killing because he likes killing no but will he steal your money oh yes he will take your money Because that's oh, his yes. business. That's his life. Um, we've we've talked about this with Kaz too. He doesn't just go out taking anybody's money. He takes money from rich people who are dumb enough to wander into the barrel and get themselves taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. He's not just going mm-hmm. out stealing old ladies' purses or bilking kids. He just no. he's not doing that. But no, no, no. is he an anti-hero? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, big time, big time anti-hero. Is okay. Kaz Brecker a sociopath? Yeah. Hmm. What's the legal definition he, of a sociopath? <laughs> well, see, no, that's the thing. And I, I actually, when I, when I saw this one, I, I asked a friend of mine who understands psychology a lot better than I do. And they also have some experience with working in the legal system. And so they've seen their fair share of cases that have involved people who were either a psychopath or a sociopath. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where the definition honestly has changed over time. It's, it's some people would say, Oh, there's about six signs or some people might say there's as many as 15 signs that identify a sociopath. And one thing a lot of people do agree on is the differences between a psychopath and a sociopath. And mm-hmm. I did I did look at what is out there as far as information about sociopathy. And I'm not a professional. I can't diagnose people with things like that. But for all that I have found about what makes a sociopath is I think he might be teetering. Like he I might, think... I, I can easily see how yeah. the argument would be made for him to be a sociopath, mm-hmm. but some people might also argue that he's kind of teetering on being a sociopath. Like he might yeah. actually be salvageable. I would say he's like, cause I'm looking at the definition, like characteristics of a sociopath it says not understanding the difference between right and wrong. That's not Kaz. Not respecting the feelings and emotions of others. I wouldn't say that's him hundred percent. Constantly lying or deception. Maybe. Uh, being callous. Yes. Uh, difficulty re- recognizing emotion, possibly manipulation. Yes. Arrogance. Yes. Violating the rights of others through dishonest actions. I would say sometimes impulsiveness. See, there, there you have it. All these reasons. Like, some of them, does Kaz do these things? Yes. But does he do it because he can't help it? We don't know. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't feel that way. Because does he do dishonest things? Yes. But because he lives in a dishonest world. He sees the world as a dishonest place where he has to do dishonest things. Does he take advantage of people? Yes, but he doesn't take advantage of everybody, and he doesn't do it indiscriminately because he can't stop himself. Yeah, that's fair. 
So some of the things on the list of sociopathy, you know, symptoms do kind of sound like Kaz, but he's doing all of these things with specific intentions in mind, and he's targeting specific people for specific goals. So I don't know that you could yeah. make a case that could not be argued that he's a sociopath. Yeah, I think he's like kind of cheat, like you said, like teetering on the precipice of being a sociopath, but isn't fully there yet. Now, this last one, I wanted to end on something that would be a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. So I put this one at the end on purpose. Okay. But it was right. actually one of the first things that popped up when I typed these in. Uh -huh. Is Kaz Brecker gay? Ooh, okay. <laughs> I, I just, when, when, I, when I typed these in and I saw what popped up, it just, with some of them, it's very easy to see why this is something that people would be looking up. Like, if you've just started watching this Shadow and Bone TV series, but you haven't read the books, and you know that Grisha are a big thing, I can mm -hmm. see people Googling, is Kazbrecker a Grisha? And yeah. because some people like to talk about characters' backstories and get into, like, what their deal is, I can see people Googling, is Kazbrecker a virgin? Mm -hmm. I don't really know where this one's coming from. Is Kazbrecker gay? Like, yeah. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why people would be asking that. He doesn't... He I mean, really show any kind there of are all towards... different types of people. Yeah. He doesn't. I mean, there's we, we, we should tread lightly here because there's really there, there are people we're, we're not going to say that acting gay is a thing. I, I don't think we should say that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to think what is it that would cause people to ask that question? Uh, I have no idea, Jeff. Honestly. Wishful thinking, maybe? Like, maybe the people who are asking this are also um, gay, male-identifying people, perhaps? And as Kaz Brecker appears to be a male-identifying character, perhaps they want to know if they were in this universe, would they have a shot with him? That's a thing yeah. that happens all the time. Yeah. People you know, wonder if they were in a fictional universe with a character they're attracted to, would they have a shot? Yeah, maybe it's just people who are like, hey, Kaz is hot. I'm a gay person. Is Kaz gay? Lay it on me now. Yeah, lay it on me. No, really. Yeah, literally. <laughs> lay it on me. Do it. But, I mean, we that one we could answer easily, no. Kaz Brecker is not gay. If you yeah. want to, if you want to, you know, do a fan fiction, like, alternate version of a character where he is gay, then that's fine. Go ahead and write it. Yeah, go for it. Fan fiction can be whatever you want it to be. And we love that, for fan fiction. But Jeff, that was a fun little game. I, I think our listeners are going to very much so enjoy that a lot. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to do this with some other characters. I already have in mind which character we should do next, but I'm not going to say because I'm going to save it for the next time we play. Ooh, okay, awesome. Okay, let's do that. Okay, listeners, so to wrap up our discussion this week, we are going to ask you our question, as we do at the end of all of our episodes. And this week, we're just going to ask you guys to give us your opinion and your hopes and dreams for the new book that Lee has coming out in this coming year of 2024. So give us your thoughts and feelings about Lee Bardugo's new book, and we will read that on our next episode of Into the Folds. And make sure you email us or DM us those answers over on Instagram. The email is into the full pod at gmail.com and into the full pod on Instagram. 
And that wraps up today's episode. And next time, listeners, we will be talking about chapters 14 and 15 of Six of Crows. So if you'd like to read those ahead of time, go for it. If not, hey, we'll be here anyway, regardless if you read them or not. And if you'd like to get in contact with us here on Into the Fold, you can listen to us on all pot platforms or pods or casts. And you can also find us over on YouTube at Into the Fold Podcast. And once again, our Instagram is at Into the Fold Pod, where you can see fabulous pictures of us in our keftas that have also been seen by Lee Bardugo. We can boast that now. So check out our Instagram, join our community, and talk to us. We would love to get to know you. Yes, and all of your longer form answers can go to our email or any other questions, qualms, or queries you might have. That is into the fold pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Etsy shop, which is the Grisha Trade Post over on Etsy, where you can get your own custom Kefta art and some of the goodies that have our uh, logo on them, including, which I need to update the picture for, new updated stickers that have the Six of Crows logo on them instead of the stag so that we have a new sticker friends that has a crow instead of a stag on it because i got us new stickers and you know we got to stay up to date so if you'd like one of those head on over to our etsy shop and you can purchase one for i think like a dollar or two they're really not expensive in any capacity so head on over there and hopefully we'll see some of those stickers out in the wild while you are out in the wild, if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, we would love to share it here on the show. And as always, if you are listening to us on one of the less conventional or popular streaming platforms for podcasts, please let us know. You can always email us if you have anything you want to tell us about the podcast. We would love to hear it. Yes, and don't forget the best way that podcasts podcasts are spread is by word of mouth. So if you have someone you know who loves the Grishaverse or would like to get involved with it, telling them about this podcast really helps our show grow, and we appreciate you very much for doing so if you have already. But until next time, no mourners. No funerals. Especially not if you've had your eyeball popped out of your head. Your funeral is you're getting thrown over the side of the boat. That's it. Bye. Bye. Love to see it. The waveforms are looking good. You're looking very good. Very cute. Very cute. Very cute. We like our waveforms because they make us feel very cute. By the way, for all the times you make fun of how terrible my Boston accent is, which it's very it's bad. bad. It, it it's is, bad. It is not good. But it's thank bad. you for mispronouncing Louisville. Louisville? 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 Louisville. Louisville. Hey, at least you don't have Louisville. to do an accent people make fun of in order to say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hang on. I might have to warm up for this because it's I I, I, okay. I, I I did not sleep long before this. That's fair. This is me warming up. It's very professional. Obviously, are not supposed to see him that way. Did I, just I think Jeff? because. He has reasons that are understandable to do all the things that he does. I don't know. What is it doing?
Hello? Hello? Jeffrey, I lost you. What happened? We are calling back our friend, Juliana, so that we can keep doing the show. I'm not panicking. This is fine. Everything is fine.